Perfectionism, people-pleasing, and overachieving are special kinds of torture. For the most part, I believe they come from a very sincere desire to do our best, to strive for excellence, which in and of itself isn't a bad thing. But what about when that striving leads to obsession, anxiety, irritability, and short-sightedness? I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, that tunnel vision we get when we're in the zone. In our society, we tend to think of this as a really good thing. And sure, sometimes it can be. But if our hyperfixation is leading to missed meals, being distracted or non-existent during family time, lack of rest, and all-consuming anxiety or obsession, it's turned into something that God never intended it to be. One of the things that I love about God is his creativity. It is, of course, unmatched, and he is incapable of doing anything imperfectly. But we see in Genesis that he takes time to create the world and everything in it, and then he rests. He doesn't nitpick over the length of the giraffe's neck or the saltiness of the ocean. He doesn't agonize over the number of the stars. He creates, and he calls it good. And then he rests, which is just the most confident move of all. And through this, the example is set for us. Work is completed to satisfactory standards and then balanced with rest. Hebrews chapter 4 is a section on Sabbath rest for God's people, and verse 11 says, So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. So why have we trained ourselves to believe that if we just do a little more, if we just change this right here, if we just spend a few more minutes on that over there, that it's good? Whether you're in the corporate race, a stay-at-home mom, a shift worker, a creative, whoever you are, we have been lying to ourselves. There is no amount of time, no amount of nitpicking, no amount of obsessing over that is going to allow something to be perfect or make everyone happy. The lie that we can reach perfection and please everyone along the way has resulted in millions of people snapping at their loved ones and missing out on making important memories. It's caused so much heartache and worry and disobedience, and for what? The striving for perfection and the need to please people is a weight that will drag you down and take as many people around you as it can. So today, right now, let's fight back. Welcome to Loved and Made Worthy. My name is Erica, and this is a podcast about embracing our God-given purpose and letting go of perfectionism, people-pleasing, and overachieving. If you want a deeper relationship with Jesus and are ready to ditch the labels that God never gave you, this is for you. Listen in as we journey with God to find out who He is, what that means for our life, and ultimately, who He created us to be. Show me any self-proclaimed perfectionist, and I will show you abnormally high rates of anxiety and exhaustion. I should know. What began as attention to detail in my earlier days quickly took on a life of its own and morphed into full-blown perfectionism, which I now see for what it really is, a prison. And that might sound drastic, but when perfectionism is full-grown, it comes with some really ugly friends. Overachieving, or striving, as you'll often hear it called in the Christian community, is going to keep you distracted and tired. And people-pleasing, well, this one is going to keep you believing that you're not good enough, that no one loves you, that you're a burden, and that you can't ever do anything right. Together, this trio creates a prison that is impossible to escape by our own power. 
So how can we escape it? Are we just doomed to live this endless cycle of unattainable standards? Fear not, my friend. Where there's God, there's a way. Let's dig into three biblical truths to fight against these unwanted guests. Truth number one, God is love. 1 John 4, 16b says, God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. So, because he is love, we're told in Romans 5, 8 that he showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Now, there are so many other scriptures that teach us about love, but these two encompass the foundational tenets. Let's break them down. So, God is love. God defines love, and love defines God. The two cannot be separated. When we truly live in love, we are in communion with God. And because God loves us, he sent Jesus to his death for us. And get this, it's the key part. While we were still sinners. Not because we were perfect. Not because he was pleased with our striving. He sent his son in spite of all that. His love is not conditional on our works. It simply is. We cannot earn it, we cannot check off our churchy boxes and claim it as a prize, and there is nothing we can do to escape it. Let's be honest, it's very likely we chase after the highs of perfection, people-pleasing, and overachieving, so that in the praise and validation from others, we feel loved, accomplished, and needed. But God offers us love free from all of that, and in spite of our imperfections, He invites us to lay down our striving and experience fulfillment and validation in Him and Him alone. Truth number two, God is imminent. God is not only above His creation, He is active and present within it. Joshua 2 verse 11b says, For the Lord your God, He is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. And not just on the earth, but He's also in us. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? This is a beautiful reminder that we don't go through things alone. We don't do things alone. That meeting you have that you've spent 50 hours preparing for and can't sleep because of, God goes before you. That new job you started that has you feeling like an imposter, God equips you. Whether it's a new phase of life, a project that you're excited about, a relationship you're trying to restore, or anything else that has you striving and a little panicked, you're not tackling it alone. And it's more than just not being alone. Granted, that's a huge comfort and not something to be taken lightly, but God isn't just with us. He's also working inside us. We have access to his wisdom and get to work together with him, which is shown to us in James 1.5 and 1 Corinthians 3.9. One of the ways my people-pleasing tendency manifests is through overanalyzing interactions after the fact. Whether it's a text, an email, a presentation, or even a look, I replay it in my head and pick apart all of the details of that interaction. Sometimes this is over quickly, but I've been stuck in a loop for weeks before. This always leads to high anxiety and irritability on my part, which then leads to the need for disconnecting because I can no longer process outside stress. It's a vicious cycle, but I'm always better able to deal with it when I'm reminded that because I am drawing near to God and He is working in me, I can trust that He is guiding me in His integrity and will. Because God is eminent, We can let go of striving and trust that he is working in us and will give us the words and skills and opportunities we need to be in alignment with his will. 
And last, but certainly not least, truth number three, God is jealous. God himself says this in Exodus 20, verse 5b, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. God wants and deserves all glory and praise. And when we are striving for perfection and pleasing others, we are storing up glory and praise for ourselves. And let's be real. We can't handle that. We weren't made to handle that kind of glory or praise. Now, can we accept people's praise for a job well done? Sure. But it must come with the recognition that we didn't do it alone, that it's God working in us and through us for his glory. To illustrate how serious God is about this, let's take a look at Acts chapter 12. In verse 21, we're told that Herod is on his throne and delivered a public address. The people shouted, this is the voice of a God, not of a man. Listen to that praise. But here we go. Listen to verse 23. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms and died. He was eaten by worms and died. Not he died and was eaten by worms. Y'all, God is not messing around when it comes to his praise. So after all that, I would ask, why are we striving? To be perfect? Impossible. There was only one that was perfect and we crucified him. To please people? Futile. We never will, and that's not why we're here. We're here to please God. To feel accomplished through praise? Dangerous territory, friend. God invites us to lay down our striving for perfection and our need to please people and calls us to rest in his love. We can trust that God is working in us and guides our hands and words and that when we work for his glory, not only is it good, but it's also enough. I hope today's episode blessed your spiritual walk and brought you just a little bit closer to Jesus. If you enjoyed listening, please consider subscribing and leaving a review. I love to hear how God is using this in your life. And if you'd like to connect, be sure to join the Loved and Made Worthy Facebook group. I would love to see you there. Now, as we go our separate ways, I just want to remind you of three things. You are seen, you are loved, and you are made worthy in Jesus. I'll see you next time.